Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Al Jean and I had an idea for a sitcom called 20 Below. It was about a team of scientists living together at the South Pole. It was a cross between the Big Bang Theory and Frozen before either of those things were things. Of course, no network would buy it. The first executive we brought it to said, Instead of the South Pole, make it the North Pole. We can't, I said. What's the difference? It's literally all the difference in the world. The South Pole is on land. That's why you can build a base there. There are no stations at the North Pole. It's just a mass of floating ice. I still think it should be the North Pole. I asked him why. It's a funnier pole. Well, my wife had dragged me on trips to the North Pole and the South Pole. She even found a third pole for us to visit in her never-ending quest to make sure I die broke. On today's program, we'll visit all three poles, and you can decide which one is the funniest. We booked a cruise to Antarctica. It left out of Ushuaia, Argentina, the southernmost city on Earth. After checking in on board the ship, my wife wanted to explore the town. It speaks volumes for Ushuaia that one of their top tourist attractions is a prison. Another one is a large sign that says Ushuaia. We returned to our ship to find the entire crew furious at us. They had to delay the start of the cruise for four hours while waiting for us to return. During the next week, the number one topic at dinner was, I wonder who those idiots were that held up our launch. Although I never got busted for this, fate caught up to me in another way. One evening, for shipboard entertainment, they had tell-a-joke night. Passengers got up and told their favorite joke. They were all sexist, racist, or filthy, and they all got huge laughs. I decided to elevate the evening with some of my own comedy. You know, I've lectured in 500 venues in 22 countries and have lots of stories that never failed. <laughs> well, they failed that night. I kept going and going, hoping something would get a pity laugh so I could leave stage great. After 10 minutes, I gave up. Now it's bad to bomb, but it's worse to bomb on a cruise ship because you're stuck with the audience that hated you. For the next seven days, everyone on that boat avoided me. The only other entertainment on board was a magician. Unfortunately for him, he performed on a stage that had mirrors on the back, on the sides, and on the ceiling. This allowed you to see how he did every single trick. Next cruise I take, I'm doing his act. On a quick tangent, I had a very different problem on another cruise. There was a very funny ship's comedian named Noodles Levenstein. That's his actual pasta, and he looked exactly like me. After he came out on stage, I knew I was in for trouble, because for the rest of the cruise, I was pestered by fans who thought I was Noodles. You were really funny last night. Yes, I was. How do you know? Is that your real name? Mike? Yes, it is. Noodles Levenstein, I lost you a lot of fans. Since this is a podcast featuring me whining about my bad vacations, I don't have much to say about Antarctica. It's a glorious cruise. I've done it twice and I recommend it to all of you. You visit during their summer, so the sun shines 24 hours a day. The scenery is always changing. You see lots of icebergs none of which look like that pointy guy who sank the Titanic. Icebergs are round, they're square, some have archways that look like enormous mouse holes, and many, I swear, look like floating office buildings. And they're not all white. 
They come in pastel colors. They're blue, they're pink, they're green. You also see whales. You see so many whales, you won't even get out of your deck chair to look at them unless they're traveling with a baby. Or making a baby. Wink. <laughs> I like to watch whale sex. Which brings me to my weekly penis joke. A little boy and his mother are whale watching. The boy points to the orca's eight foot erection and says, what's that? The mother says, uh, that, that's nothing. Later, the boy is whale watching with his father and he points to the orca's penis. I showed that to mom and she said that's nothing. And his father says, I spoiled her. Anyway, Antarctica is surprisingly warm too. Under all that ice is the largest desert on Earth. Summer temperatures are generally in the 40s, and one day it was 50. I saw penguins lying prostrate on the beach, schwitzing from the heat. And if you like penguins, you'll see tens of thousands of them. They're packed onto every exposed rock in the ocean. I learned two things from the animated film Happy Feet. One is, don't see Happy Feet too. The other is that not all penguins are alike. There are lots of different species, each with their own personality. Chinstrap penguins are nasty punks, gentoos are easygoing schmucks, and macaroni penguins are ugly little bastards. My one disappointment? There's no pole at the South Pole. No red and white striped post with a big knob on top. Cartoons had steered me wrong. If I wanted to see the real pole in all its candy cane glory, I guess I'd have to head to the Arctic. A trip to the North Pole is nothing like going to the South. The only way to cruise there is on a Russian icebreaker. It's not luxurious, but the constant sound of cracking ice is actually relaxing. It's like taking a car down a gravel driveway 800 miles long. It's so soothing, nobody minded that there was nothing to do. The ship had no phone, no internet, no TV, no noodles Levenstein. I'd expected the teens on board to go full Lord of the Flies, but they were fine with it. The only entertainment the Russian crew offered was a tour of the ship's nuclear reactor. They even allowed me to touch it, which I did, but probably shouldn't have. Once again, there was tolerable weather and all-day sunshine, but not a lot to see. Just an unbroken expanse of flat white ice. You'd spot the occasional polar bear, a fair amount of polar bear poop, and then even more ice. This was a trip with a very arbitrary destination, an imaginary geographical point. Just over a hundred trips had made the voyage to the North Pole in all of human history. This trip was made for the jaded traveler, the person who'd been everywhere else. A hot topic at dinner was, which is better, the east coast of Greenland or the west coast? The passengers consisted of large Chinese and Indian families. It was a good indicator of where the money is today because this was an expensive cruise. How expensive? I have no idea. My wife just kept telling me, You can afford this. That's not much help. I can afford an elephant too, but I don't want to buy one. We finally reached the geographic pole, and it looked like all the other ice we'd been seeing for a week. Still, the crew tried to make it special. They set up a barbecue. The purser dressed as a mermaid. They inflated a hot air balloon. It took us a hundred feet up to get a panoramic view of the miles and miles of nothing. A guide brought us on a hike. He carried a rifle in case we encountered a polar bear. Not that he would have used it. If you kill a polar bear in the Arctic, you are literally trying 
tried as a murderer. If a polar bear had showed up, the guide would have been better off shooting us. The crew erected a British-style phone booth where you were allowed to make one call. We phoned my mother-in-law, not realizing it was three in the morning where she was. The call scared her half to death. Good times. As a finale, they cut a hole in the ice so anyone who wanted could take an icy plunge in the Arctic Ocean. I wondered, who is stupid enough to do this? The answer? Every single person on the ship except me. Even an 80-year-old lady did it. When she came out, the Russians gave her a shot of vodka, which, medically speaking, is the worst possible thing you can do. The crew did a great job of making something out of nothing, but I was still disappointed. There was no pole at the pole. I'm not crazy to think this. At one point, metal workers actually made two candy cane stripe poles. One went on a tour of America, appearing in parades as the real North Pole. The other one was dumped out of the back of a cargo plane somewhere over the Arctic. This was the 50s. People did stuff like that. When we made it to the North Pole, I told my wife, well, I've done it. I followed you to the ends of the earth. It was my way of saying, no more travel, okay? <laughs> Not okay. Denise found another North Pole and dragged me off to it. Now, if you're a nerd, you might point out, Technically speaking, there are several North Poles. The Geographic Pole, the Magnetic Pole, the Geomagnetic Pole. Shut up, shut up, shut up! Stop, you're scaring me! We took a trip to the town of North Pole, Alaska. It's a suburb on the outskirts of Fairbanks, which in itself is on the outskirts of everything. North Pole got its name the way most things get their names in Alaska. In 1944, someone who lived there called the place the North Pole and everyone else said, sure, what the hell. It's now got year-round Christmas decorations and streets named Santa Claus Lane, Kris Kringle Drive, St. Nicholas Drive, and a swamp called the 30 Mile Slough. We did all the fun things you can do in North Pole, Alaska. Ice fishing, dog sled racing, snowmobiling, more ice fishing, more dog sled racing. Four days is a long time to kill there. They may sound exciting, but these are all activities that can be done by a corpse. On a dog sled, you're just ballast. In ice fishing, you're just a pole holder. Snowmobiling involves steering so you don't hit a tree. Otherwise, there's nothing to it. It's like driving in a very loud, very rickety Miata in freezing weather with the top down. Plus, in Alaska, they call snowmobiles snow machines. Why? Someone once called them that and everyone else said, sure, what the hell? The lack of activity in their activities may explain something about the Alaskans. Although they lead robust, outdoorsy lives, 67% of them are overweight. And though they love their independence and isolation, the ones I met had clearly been alone too long. They're loud and chatty, they laugh at their own jokes, and they strike up long conversation with anyone who's passing by. Nice folks. The main reason we visited the North Pole was to see the Northern Lights. Now fans of this podcast, if we had any, will recall that I already went to Iceland to see the Aurora Borealis. I found it the biggest scam in world travel. They look great in photos, colorful celestial fireworks, but in person they look like wispy gray clouds, what you might see wafting out of God's ashtray. Still, my wife brought me to Alaska in the dead of winter to try again. You know the saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, 
blame the wife. We caught a glimpse of the lights the first night and they were just as bleh as I remembered. Like the fireworks you see on the 5th of July. 5th, you get it? There's no fireworks on the 5th. The next two nights we spent hours in sub-zero weather looking for the northern lights again, but it was too cloudy. Our final night we hired a professional, a full-time aurora chaser. He was an ex-cop, driving a van equipped with radar and state-of-the-art cameras. He drove us all over central Alaska, looking for a break in the clouds. By midnight, I was ready to quit, but he was just getting started. He parked on top of a mountain and waited, muttering to himself, Come on, Lady Aurora. I know you're out there. Show yourself. The other five tourists in the van nodded off. We were all hostage to this man's obsession, and that's when it hit me. He was a policeman, this was a stakeout, and the northern lights were his perp. Finally, at 4 a.m., 4 a.m., he threw in the towel. Like a depressing 70s cop movie, justice had failed. Aurora never showed her pretty face. Dames. Our attempt to see the disappointing northern lights ended in disappointment. Then, on our way out of town, headed for the airport, we saw something even better. The North Pole Pole! Remember that metal pole they made for parades across America? Somebody found it, rusting and forgotten in a junkyard, and set it up on a suburban street corner. I'd gone from one end of the globe to the other looking for it, and here it was, on the one road without a cute name in North Pole, Alaska. My quest was over. Was it worth all the trouble, all the expense, all those hours in freezing cold? You better believe it wasn't. It wasn't at all. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, with additional voices by Denise Reese and Trevor Morris, Mike's Funny Doorman. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.